win, it's okay. You didn't need those three points anyway. <laughs> it's not so MLS. You could be referencing so American many different games. <laughs> <laughs> A North American soccer podcast with myself, Andrew Bates, and Nick Thornton. Hello. Nick, how are you? I'm doing very well. It is a cold, rainy day in Vancouver. Fall has hit. Happy first day of fall. Happy bye visibility day for all of our bye friends. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I'm doing good. I, I can't say that it was uh, a terribly momentous weekend for soccer, as you referenced, but uh, there was definitely some action. I... Saw so many bits and pieces of games, of halves of games that didn't have any goals in them. Um, you, uh, you got to go to game. Do we want to talk about that? Do you want to talk about that now? Or sure. Later? I mean, we can start with that off the top. I feel like we actually haven't had all that much to say about the Whitecaps playing in uh, recent shows. So <laughs> this, this is, this is. This was a game I I tuned into for like the the second half, and it really seemed like nothing of any interest. It seemed we've seen a lot of of, of Vancouver games that sort of um, peter out. Yeah, you know, like like especially if they're not on the winning side, and, and it just you you wonder, man, there's there's just nothing nothing going forward, nothing happening for them. And then, just after the announcers are noting that people are, are streaming out to go home of, of a stadium that already didn't look that full, uh, Aliad Nan sends it into Freddie Ontero on the 93rd minute to give the Whitecaps a wholly unearned point in a 1 1 draw. Yeah, literally the last kick of the game. I'm surprised they even let Adnan get up the pitch because that's how deep into stoppage time we were. Um, and. I want to find I want to find this so that we can play uh, so that we can play it on the show your video that you posted. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So to, can just to take a step back for a second, and we'll, we can get into the sort of in-game commentary. But truly, as you're as you're referencing, um, it had been a while since I'd been to a Whitecaps game. Do you have the audio lined up? Okay. All right. All right. Let me. Oh, you don't actually, you don't actually laugh, but there's, <laughs> I, for some reason I thought that there was a good, you're just in this Instagram picture, just giggling. <laughs> because truly, just... I had a very lovely catch up with my friend Joe, um, and we haven't been at a Whitecaps game together in quite some time, and we had a very nice chat because nothing happened in this game for so long. <laughs> it was just such listless soccer, and I mean, I'm saying that respectfully um i'm really not even trying to have a dig at the white caps but it was truly an awful 92 and a half minutes of soccer from their part uh, well actually the first 20 minutes or so there's a little bit more for them but the entire second half was just like aimless kicking around of the ball they seemed rooted to their half and not wanting to venture any further and i just Literally, we're kind of looking at each other like, well, I guess that's that game. Um, it was nice to see Columbus Crew in action. And Adnan just goes for a run down the side and scores. And so I get my phone up and I'm recording it. And then I just, like, I can't have any other reaction than laugh. And a whole bunch of other people around me are laughing as well. Like, there's cheering, but a lot of laughing. And so I just wanted to, to capture the moment where I just, I was like, of course, 
Why not? Of course. <laughs> of, all the, of all the people, Freddie Montero is going to score with, like, the last kick in the game to get us, as you say, a wholly undeserved point out of a game that means nothing for us. <laughs> I guess that if you look at the, like, so I guess that it was the 17th minute penalty that put Columbus up. Uh, really seemed the Whitecaps let the ball go in midfield to set it up. And then also, uh, like, that was the, the one thing they did to, to make it happen. And then also they didn't really clear the ball on the first save. But, you know, so I get I can really see with that one nothing lead where not a lot is happening one way or the other for so long that it will feel listless. And in a weird sense, the goal almost felt listless. Like it didn't really. There was feel nothing like on. It was like, like yeah, like, it, it, that's why I was laughing is because we, we all saw Adnan's run, but people weren't even really cheering because it just we'd had a couple of um, runs forward from from Sutter, from Nerwinski, from Adnan that just resulted in like these lazy balls across the box that would go out one side or in one side and out the other, and it didn't look like anything was on, and just nobody fails to pick up Montero. Um, there's a Columbus crew defender standing right behind him and somehow Montero gets above him and heads it in and it just sort of loops up and into the back of the net. Um, I didn't see it, but apparently Caleb Porter's head almost exploded. Oh yeah, I saw that. (laughs) That was very good. He looked like he was going to blow his top. Not not even at the refs. He just looked, he looked like he was like a course yeah. like just like just... okay i really can't help you guys if we're gonna let this happen and i uh, the only part i saw when i got home was uh mds going over to him at the end of the game and sort of giving him a hug and you can almost picture him just saying like yeah we didn't deserve that i'm sorry and caleb porter just looks <laughs> so dejected and just trying so hard to not like be angry at him but just like wants no part of the conversation <laughs> <laughs> sublime the sublime master thief. All we could just do is shrug and be like, I guess, I guess we got that yeah. one. Um, but to take a step back for this game, the the larger picture for me is, um, I guess, this question that we've talked about a little bit. And I don't want to harp on too, too badly here, but I just really struggle to see um, like the vision from Mark Dos Santos being enacted on the field. And... I guess it's fine if you want to say that this season is a write-off, but I find it very hard in a game like this to really see, outside of maybe two or three players, how you argue for any of these players coming back. Because either they have a failure to execute Mark DeSantis' vision on the field, or they have an inability to understand it in the first place. But to be this late in the season and... Again, this tr- we're trying to work on this like build up from the back and the transition out, but it's so slow, it gives the other team way too much time to adjust to it. Um, and defensively, we just continue to have no shape. Adnan's not getting back to mark his players. Um, the center backs are often finding themselves running in behind the play, trying to catch up. Uh, yet again, we have another penalty given up that I don't think you can argue this one. Zach McMath comes out, um, and he really has no choice but to try to win the ball at the player's feet, so he ends up sweeping out the player's feet. I just... I, I'm sort of a little bit dumbfounded to at which point we start to put some of the pressure on Mark DeSantos to say that his vision has not come to life on the field, but it's that's his responsibility. 
And I don't see how he can be happy or um, at all content with the fact that it's this late in the season. Okay, you can say the game doesn't mean anything, so the players are not maybe responding the way that they should, but I just... I, I don't understand what the disconnect is, and if it's the players, then why not... You might as well just start from scratch again. I'd say, like, maybe you keep Adnan, because we just re-signed him. Reyna, Tybert, Kripo. The rest, for me, is more or less a wash. Maybe in bomb as well. Give him a season off. And... What's well, like the... The weird thing is is that the Whitecaps have kind of played themselves into a corner with this. I, I like the tweet from Mark Weber, who uh, was the former Vancouver province reporter, who says, please no one say again that jobs to play for is somehow going to motivate a dead and buried team. So clearly today, few care. Everyone wants the season over. Tis always the way. Well, it's true. And you could argue that that it's a failure on the coach's part to not get you know people... Uh, excited and, and, and make people feel that they have to that they have to complete for compete for their places, but the Whitecaps have played themselves into a role because as much as you say you know who you know don't like you know there are a few people that you would want to see back, the Whitecaps can't do uh, a huge clearing of the house for the third straight season. Mm-hmm. So it's like that these people can't they they're they're in, in a sense of of competition for jobs. It's like. The Whitecaps, they, the Whitecaps already just had an off season where they let half the team walk, and and so the I feel like to a certain extent it's not a credible, uh, it's not a credible threat when it's like obviously it's gone so poorly, so it's not going to happen a second year. I think, I think that the my go to point of positivity is that. Maybe there is a um, a chance that with another with the you know, MLS teams very often seem to take at least one season to get rolling before you 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 put together like a key piece of it. Sure. Um, but the the negative the the one negative there that you've brought up on occasion is what system are they getting used yeah. to? <laughs> They're getting used to each other, but but it's not like. Um, it's not like DeSantos has brought in sort of a Matias Almeida style system that like some sort of unique new way of playing that everybody kind of get, needs to get used to. Well, and he's already basically said in his most recent press conferences that he's willing to change that. So we're going to be changing the system yet again, bringing in a new host of players, trying to adjust to that, which I don't necessarily think is the wrong thing. The other piece of this puzzle is... um whether you think Mark DeSantis is right or wrong, it was the quietest in BC place I've ever seen it. I don't think there was more than 11,000 people there, and I'm, I'm sure it was under that. And so you could say, okay, it's... it's the, the team, the, the website reports 16.6. Yeah, and the last time they reported that, it was about 5,000 fewer. Because, <laughs> of course, they're counting any... I think they're counting just sold tickets, so fair but that's not the number of people actually in that stadium and it was just dead silent for a large portion of it i mean hats off to the south siders and the already ramping up general admission supporter section that's underway there for making a go of it but you just can't generate that much noise when there's not that many people in the crowd and it's clear that the season is well over for most whitecaps fans there's still one more 
final home game against Real Salt Lake. So we'll see how that goes. But I just, on all sides, it's really hard to see what the energy is like. What are people supposed to get excited about for next season? From the club's point of view, they're trying to win fans back. Um, and it, it just, it really seems like kind of a, a mediocre push that you think they would be doing everything they possibly could to generate some excitement. And on the in terms of what's going on in the field, it's just um, a completely aimless product. And the reason why I was laughing so hard when Montero scored is because as sort of hilariously great as it was, it still meant nothing. It was still too little too late. Um, yeah. So because it was truly like, if you're going to play like that, why are you waiting until the last dying stages of a game? Because that was one of the few runs forward for a good half hour. That you're sort of like, well, if we can do that, we could have won this game. And then at least we'd have something to get excited about, even though the three points would have, wouldn't have mattered. Yet instead, we pissed away all of our chances until the final moment where it didn't really matter. And that has been so much of the story for this team this year. And I, I just... I don't know the answer, but at what point is it the coach's fault? Now, uh, clearly some of it has to lie on the players on the field, but I just, I'm a, a still a little bit left scratching my head as to how Mark Dos Santos has avoided so much blame from the diehard fans. I know that he's received lots of flack for sort of the casual Whitecaps fan, but there's still many that just sort of, he can do no wrong, and it, I, I just don't quite get it. One team heading into the uh, the playoff picture, we're, we're looking at, I guess, how all teams are getting, all the contending teams are getting into form. And uh, after having a 2-0 win over Cincinnati in the midweek, Atlanta had a big 3-1 win against San Jose on Saturday. They sure did. And it looked like this could have gone another way. I feel kind of bad for San Jose because I think with... Um... Atlanta playing midweek, as you said, and then um, having at least 10 minutes without having to play against Joseph Martinez, who's gone out with a knee injury, looking like he's going to miss at least a couple of weeks. It looked like maybe they could have gotten something out of this one. Um, but as has happened with San Jose a few times, you know, they're able to put so much pressure on teams. It's really a lot of San Jose knocking at the door. I thought uh, Daniel Vega in this game just stood on his head to keep them... Oh at, my god. At a one one draw. I mean about five just incredible saves. Um but at, at sooner sooner or later San Jose just gets stretched really thin because they're pressing so high up the pitch. And at that point, um Atlanta is just able to do what they've done to so many teams and just stretch them. Uh they just break down the, the left flank at full speed and there's basically nothing they can do at that point. San Jose is struggling to get back. And they're able to score two. two <laughs> they're able to score two in stoppage time. Yeah, and, and you had the, the the first two were kind of these uh, interchangeable own goals ish. You could maybe call them. I guess the first one was ruled as a a, a goal for Miram, but the second one, Espinosa uh, bounces it off of uh, Raikuzan's yeah, legs, and then is promptly sent um, off for his troubles. Yep, don't don't just stamp on people. Don't just this was this was another kind of one of the big issues for San Jose 
is if that happens pretty early in the in the that happens on like 34 minutes but they had a pretty good other than the red card they had a pretty good first half in terms of the amount of possession that they had and and and, and everything and, and especially those those saves from Vega that you're talking about but but things really seemed to fall apart for them especially in their relationship with referee Chris Pinso as you could see that Vega was giving a yellow for time wasting. Judson was given a yellow for persistent infringement, and then I think in the around the 80th minute, um, Matias Almeida was sent yeah. off from the touchline. Almeida, who just served a three match ban. Yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, he just uh, this was his first game back too, um, oh and nearly no. gets into a fight with a fan as he goes off as well, which he sent me just before the episode. So I can, I can only imagine that's probably at least another fine, if not an additional suspension. So it's feeling like the wheels are starting to, to shake on the quakes here. And it's unfortunate because this is the kind of game that I think you can totally say, all right, you lost to Atlanta, but it's an Eastern opponent. You're still in the playoff picture. But now you're going to be without your coach in the next game. You're going to be out without Espinoza in the next game. This is the time of year you need to stay focused. Um, you're, they're also going to be without. And, and the thing to mention about um, Almeida is that he didn't actually. I don't actually think he threw hands, no. but it was he got in any way physical. But somebody, as he was walking out, somebody was yelling, you know, "Adios, Matias!" And he turned back around and started heading up the stairs. Yeah. Like he was gonna, Which is go- he was gonna answer the stance. That's gonna be a fine for failing to leave the the pitch in a, a timely fashion. He took a lot of time. He shook he shook everyone's hand because <laughs> on his on the San Jose bench on the way out. Uh, they're also gonna be out. I, I want to add this to your your tale of woe. They're gonna be without Chris Wondolowski, who received the first red card of his career on the bench for foul and abusive language. Really? Okay, yes. I missed that part. Well. He had been substituted out on the 61st minute and, and somehow still caught a red. Just, it really seemed like every, that was, bet- that was after the Hyman goal, but before the Pity Martinez goal. I mean, the Chris Wondolowski thing surprises me, but considering the way Chris Wondolowski celebrates goals where he goes screaming at people, I'm not terribly surprised that this is how he reacted on the bench. Um, he's obviously a player that's very passionate and, and about his team as well, but you know, going up against Philadelphia this week, uh, this does not bode well for them. They've got um, Portland clinch, uh, chomping at the their feet, and this is the time where you need to to be focused and have your best players. Not be without your coach and your not just your lead goal scoring scorer, but the lead goal scorer of all time is not good. You got to <laughs> you got to keep focused, and this basically, you know, if Portland can get. Uh, you know, a couple of even sort of half results. This is really San Jose throwing away this uh, meteoric turnaround that they've had. And that to me is just really silly and wasteful. I get being fired up about things, especially at referees, but I don't really know what Almeida's complaint here, the referee is. Um, There's no egregious calls that have put San Jose behind. They're down a player by their own fault. Um, it's not like there was a penalty shout that was missed or anything. So, you know, it, you've got to be able to keep your head and, and have your coach and your players ready for the next big match. And although Philadelphia has, uh, dipped in form yet again this week, you, you have to imagine that 
despite some injuries, that they're going to favor this Wednesday clash? Um, I think that the the uh, the thing about the refs that bothers me a little bit. I did say my first response when I saw that video is, ah, I love Almeida. He's great. But then I thought about how I had the same thoughts about Pecky, and I loved how fired up he got until it got too much. Mm-hmm. And so maybe it's important that people need to control themselves. Pecky is suing RSL, by the way. I saw that, yeah, for a violation of the contract. Because uh, we can... I guess his grievance is that he was told to go to this behavior thing and his anger management stuff, which he agreed to do, and then was fired. And he's like, well, I upheld my end, and this is a violation of my contract. So, um, I don't know. I mean, he may have something in that. I would I would ordinarily have no desire to, to back that up or to, to say, you know, he admits that he it was worth firing him under the, the the bad conduct clause or whatever it was for what he actually did. But I guess that he signed a piece of paper that says, I'll try to do better. And now he's saying that's a contract that's getting breached, which on one sense, whatever. In the other sense, it might actually hold up because RSL's, you know, issue here is that they backtracked. Yeah. But that they that they weren't sure they want to do it right away and then did it. I don't think you can claim that so it's like unfair that... from RSL's point of view. However, contractually they might really be kind of pooched here. Um, you had to, so you'd pointed out that San Jose are playing uh, Philadelphia in midweek. Um, Philadelphia really also needs you know they're slipping kind of out of the top the the upper parts of the conference. They're going to be they're they're qualified for a playoff spot but um they they held that top spot for a while and now they're in third due to uh, atlanta's successes and also uh their uh loss to the new york red bulls yeah um and i actually looking at this game i mean i was surprised at the results i saw the result before watching the uh the highlight package but i thought that Overall, Philadelphia played okay. Um, They didn't look as out of sorts as I had initially thought. Um, But it was just sort of a little bit sloppy defensively. Again, um, similar to what happened to San Jose, this is just getting pulled out of position. Um, And a Philadelphia that's characteristically quite good in their defensive positioning, especially in their midfield, just gets a little pulled apart here. Um, and then it was this, this final goal from Bradley Wright Phillips where there really wasn't much on and he's just able to, uh, uh, sorry, the, the final goal from Daniel Royer, Bradley Wright Phillips did not score. I remember now he took a shot. Andre Blake saved that one, but, uh, this, this goal from Daniel Royer deep in stoppage time puts an exclamation point on it. I still think the result maybe, which you got to thank. Says a, you got to thank Bradley Wright Phillips for it. He had he was one on one with a goalkeeper. He he uh, he, despite his what people would say is a, a scoring slump, sent it over to Royer. Absolutely. I mean, I'm I'm not surprised by that move. Um, BWP is a team player, and uh, certainly maybe his assists go a little bit uh, more unnoticed than his many goals. But uh, I think that's you know he's a pretty selfless player in that. He's going to try to get his team ahead by hooker by crook 
Um, but I think this maybe this goal, uh, the end result here maybe says, uh, is a little bit misleading in that I thought Philadelphia played okay. Um, it is a three game road trip that, uh, Philadelphia was kicking off again, this midweek game against San Jose. You have to feel like they've got that one in the bag, but I know that there's some injuries for Philadelphia right now. So it could get interesting because they are uh, starting to slip a little bit. And a Philadelphia team that seemed to previously have been able to do no wrong is now kind of putting themselves in not the best playoff position. So depending on how things shake out, could be really giving themselves a mountain to climb in the playoffs. We have, you know, um, this is this is something that you could look at as a as a late playoff potential matchup with with both teams in the the upper part of the bracket so far, uh, upper part of the seeding so far. So I like New York's performance here combined with the way that they played uh, against Portland in midweek. I felt that this is you know maybe the hype train is back again. Uh, maybe I'm maybe I'm ready to believe in chaos New York. Uh, because Chris, Chris Sims and, in uh, in Barlow are playing, are playing real well together. Yeah, it's true. Um, and this is something, uh, you brought up injuries. Yeah. It looks like some hammy injuries for Philadelphia. So they're, they're without their starting center back heading into things. Were you going to say there was a, there was, this was something I forgot. <laughs> About about Sims about Sims and Barlow. Oh, um, in terms of New York Red Bulls, just th- that they they do have depth, right? I mean, we saw this when BWP was out. That despite maybe not getting a ton of results, um, we saw Green step in as the goal scorer. So although they've struggled this season, they do have good players. They do have depth, and um, it's it's maybe not terribly surprising that they're able to to start turning things around and <laughs> at the perfect time in the season to be doing it. Um, the one thing that uh, we maybe didn't catch on the Atlanta side um, was uh, Joseph Martinez, who uh, it, it seems. Oh, you said that he got he he got substituted off. So the thing that I noted, and I was just you brought this back to my mind because of uh, injuries, was that um, Atlanta. I guess after yesterday saying that this would be the case and having the whole league roll out, uh, having. The whole uh, MLS averse rolling out think pieces on how this is going to hurt their chances. Frank DeBoer has now rolled it back and said he's day to day and he'll miss one game. Yeah, which is, I mean, excellent news. Um, Martinez has been a, a warrior. <laughs> I'm I'm a little bit surprised. Um, I'm a little bit surprised Martinez hasn't had more injury woes this year, just given his, the number of minutes he's put in. But he's a young player. He's fit, um, and it's it's great news for Atlanta. It's also great news for the playoffs because. Let's be real. We all love to hate on Atlanta, but we want to see the the defending champs with their best players on the pitch. And it's no fun and for anyone if Atlanta doesn't have their best players and then get knocked out. Then we can just say everyone will be forever arguing, well, it's only because Martinez wasn't there. Um, another team, uh, another sort of interesting clash when you, when you think about what the two could mean. Toronto FC is not necessarily going to, uh, is not necessarily at the top of the table of the East, but they've always had the ability to surprise and, and, and perform. And this one, one draw that they had with LAFC, I found interesting. Yeah. I mean, LAFC in recent weeks has, has 
been, I mean, shaky for them. <laughs> An LAFC shaky is still pretty good by most team standards. Um, but really not looking as quite deadly as we've seen in the past. I think it's actually quite fortunate that they get the point here because um, it's the just bizarre Chris Mavinga decision to bring down Latif Blessing, basically kicking him in the chest with a scissor kick that allows Vela to take a, a penalty and do what he does with penalties. Um, but uh, they were able to, Toronto was able to get themselves back into it. And I thought outside of the penalty, there really wasn't much going for LAFC in this match. It actually looked like a lot of the, the tide was on Toronto's side. That's a great point. This was one of those ones where it felt, um, and we also have heard that Adama Diamande has entered the uh, substance abuse and behavioral health program um, for what's called a non-substance reason. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the the only other update I heard there is apparently it's um, for someone in his life that he's not attending for himself, and it is voluntary oh, as well. I see. That makes sense. Which I think is Im- that important okay. to point out that he's going voluntarily, so this is not him getting sent away, but um, obviously we've talked about substance use and, and things like that on the show before, so I, I just... I think it's... So far, all the dialogue I've seen around it has been very respectful and goodwilled towards Diamande, but of course we wish him well with dealing with what he needs to deal with. Um, but definitely, Absolutely. on the field, uh, a huge presence missed for LAFC, and perhaps maybe why they struggled a little bit in this game. Vela looks Vela looks good, but Vela kind of sometimes needs a, a middle piece. You know, he, he, can, he can create... He can he can create some great stuff if he is served the ball and if he's got the pressure from his midfields going forward as well. I think Latif Blessing has played yeah. that role, um, but truly it's strength in numbers for LAFC. And so yeah, I, th- I think that um, they were definitely missing Diamande in this game. Uh, their neighbors, uh, LA Galaxy, were able to get a uh, uh, a two one win. Um, they got their own result, I guess, against uh, against Montreal in what really felt like the Zlatan Ibrahimovic show. Although he had a number of of, of chances that were uh, repelled by Evan Bush, he did. Although the goal he got, I mean, is about as fortunate a gifted goal to Ibrahimovic as you're going to see this season, <laughs> which sort of happens by accident. Even he acknowledged that. It's really, I forget who fires the initial shot, but it comes ricocheting, I think, off of Evan Bush and just lands squarely at Ibrahimovic's feet, where even he doesn't almost have time to react to it. But of course, in Ibra style, he is. Um, to, to put it away, uh, but just another really, really disappointing one from Montreal. Uh, the, the Wilmer Cabrera era has not started particularly well. I think they've got one win under him. Uh, was that last week? But just, yeah. Which and we could stress this is not his fault. Like no, just, I mean Montreal's um, playing a wild decision. Yeah, uh, Montreal's been playing the way that they were playing before under him. Um, but just for me, this still just really, really sloppy play in a lot of this one. Um, their midfield just looking all kinds of of ripped up and not in in particularly good shape and i i didn't think la galaxy played a particularly good game as you said ibra did um but 
I, I felt like this was one where Montreal could have maybe picked up a, a much needed point to keep themselves in contention and instead threw it away. And as we were talking last week about what would be happening for New England in the final playoff spot, I feel like this was Montreal kind of waving the white flag here and signaling that uh, they're just not going to be bothered to chase it. There's now only one spot left for contention. The draw from TFC um, locks them in. So it's now kind of impacts it four points out of, of New England and, and uh, one point behind Chicago. Very lucky, I think, in those senses that Chicago went to Cincinnati and had a zero zero draw, which what are you doing? <laughs> what are you what are you um, doing? <laughs> and New England welcomed Rail Salt Lake and also went to uh to a nil nil draw. Um I understand there might have been some issues injury issues with Gustavo Bo that led to bringing him on at halftime. And once they did that, um they looked a lot better. However, you know, you've got to think that they had a um, more of the chances there and they had they, they had more to do to seal off that final spot. Yeah, I mean, in terms of the Chicago game, this is one where you feel like they probably should have gotten something out of it. But of course, Cincinnati gets to play kind of the, the playoff spoilers here a lot of weeks uh, heading into the playoff picture because they are the dubious wooden spoon winners this year, it seems. Um, but this, for me, is a game where you, you expect your Katais or your um, Sapongs to to do something for you, and this needs to be a one nothing win, at least, to keep yourselves just uh, in respectable form. And uh, the fact that Cincinnati ended up with so many late chances, to me, says that um, things are starting to look a little a little shaky again in Chicago land, and um, they could be themselves again looking at missing the playoffs. In, in fact, that's looking to be the case. The other team that really could have done themselves a favor here is um, Orlando, who uh, yeah, um, who now sits thirty six. I mean, by this at this part of the table, when you look at the the options. I mean, Orlando at 36 and Columbus on 35 was not particularly likely anyways, but um, they could have put themselves into 39 into 39 points and been two points back. That would have that would have put them right underneath the line, mm -hmm. but they uh, they lost to Houston. Yeah, and I mean, we've talked, I think last week we named Orlando as one of our disappointments of the year. Um, and yeah, playing in front of six people um, and... <laughs> In Houston, sorry, Houston, um, but just there's just so much orange empty seats. Um, again, they needed something out of this. I, I thought to finally get an early goal, which is something they've been desperately missing this season. Dom Dwyer gets an, a really nice early goal, and you think maybe this is the week for Houston, or sorry, for Orlando, and they can finally get themselves into it. <laughs> And just Houston does what Houston does and just breaks with speed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then this is, it's it's almost like a, it was such a carbon copy of the goal that Houston scored against Vancouver, but it was actually a lease that, that gets the game winner by um, just barreling into the box with tons of speed to get on the end of a cross. Yeah, I mean, and it's, 
what's disappointing for me for Orlando, and, and we I think we've talked about this before. I'm sure we have, but is that Brian Rose been so good for them that they you know they've yeah. goalkeeping has really been a a soft point for them. Uh, sorry, Joe Bendick, but they just haven't had consistent goalkeeping, and now they finally have it. And where they're giving up goals is just these unmarked runs into the box. Uh, that you just cannot be allowing players like Elise that kind of time and space and Minotas, you know, these just open rebounded goals um, and open chances that this is just poor lack of physicality on the defenders' parts and, and lack of awareness. And this one really feels like, again, another game kind of just thrown to Houston that this didn't need to go this way. Um, Orlando pull, pulled the foot off the the gas and just doesn't look like a team that's ready to get themselves into the playoffs. Uh, Dallas drew one one with New York at home. I didn't see a lot of this, but uh, it looks like New York score. I didn't, uh, New York scored on the first minute and then uh, Dallas eventually uh, drew level on 66. That appears to be the case in this one. I'm just trying to remember uh, what happened here? I think I missed this one, actually. I'm going to watch Castellanos' yeah, goal. It wasn't... <laughs> Since it happened so early into this one, I'm going to catch myself up on at least his goal. Some of these uh, some of these, I'm looking for the highlights for it. So if the highlights are not here, it's not on my... Uh, it, it missed on my radar. A game... A game that was on my radar. Um, DC versus Seattle. Yeah. Um, one speaking of if you've got Castellanos' goal here tell me about it <laughs> well it's coming because it was in the first minute <laughs> let's see it okay <laughs> it's out on the wing here we do a little bit of live commentary oh damn that's a great goal nothing on he's even being marked <laughs> by two players and somehow gets it in I can see why they called that a golazo good job New York um, however it doesn't mean too much for them uh, or too much for Dallas at this point DC Seattle. It, Speaking of, it felt like the commentators in this game would call every single shot an opportunity a wonder goal. Yeah, <laughs> true that. True that. Um, this is in the ongoing saga of teams that lack consistency this season. Um, I find myself in the rare position of sort of feeling sorry for Seattle, but this rarefied air that they're sharing being for so long second place just behind LAFC. Um, I don't know that we've seen all too many matchups with Eastern opponents this season from Seattle. Uh, I felt like they were... They came out of the gates firing on all cylinders, and I thought there could really be something in this one for them, considering DC's up-and-down form. Um, but yeah. DC really brought the thunder here, and um, I don't think the result can be too, too surprising. But... He really expected um, Seattle to get something out of this, uh, uh, maybe at least a point. Granted, they're still in second place. They're still two points ahead of the Union, so um, it looks like they've put themselves in a really good playoff position. But this is one I, f I felt like they could have uh, maybe taken another point out of and was just... Maybe it wasn't a, a totally poor game from Seattle, Um However, I, I feel like they kind of let DC back into this one and and maybe just, I don't want to say through the match a little bit, but just decided it really wasn't 
worth it to, to run for the win here. Um, however, I think the crossbar also played hero in this game quite a number of times, and it could have been worse. Oh, yeah. could have been much worse, because I think DC had at least two chances. I think Rooney rattled two off of the crossbar. Rooney hits the crossbar twice. Brad Smith hits the crossbar for Seattle early, which is kind of like that one. What if that goes in, right? What or if, what if he passes you know, it to... Rui Diaz had a nice one. <laughs> yeah, well, no, you know, to, uh, goal-scoring Marvel, central defender Brad Smith has got to shoot it. Brad um, Smith <laughs> is always taking those shots, apparently. Always taking those hey, shots. He's scored a couple um, of them, so, you know, fair play. He He's... He hits the second crossbar off of a of a free kick. Um, this is when DC's already up one nothing, and then uh, his second free kick that he gets almost in the same position. Uh, he rolls it. Rooney rolls it across the carpet. Yeah, which I think was a was a much better you know solution. Yeah, uh, got through some people. Got to the foot of. Um, Got to somebody's foot and was able to uh, was able to result in the goal. Yeah, Lucas Rodriguez, who I, we haven't heard too much from this season. Um, I also like the um, Paul Ariel's return to the lineup and return to form. He's been great for DC. Um, and then also it was announced this week that Yamil Assad has officially signed back with DC United, so he'll be back uh, for next oh, season, great. which is great to see. He's I think played all of one game down in Argentina. I think that's where he was. Um, but he'll be back, which is a great, great win for DC because he knows the system and will slot right in, I'm sure. So post-Rooney era, DC United is starting to already look like a, a good team. The la- One of the last games on our schedule this week is one of the games with the least stakes. Oh, I just want to... And for some I reason... add one quick yes. thing about this game um, that I just... is kind of stupid, but it's fun to talk about stupid things in MLS... I didn't know that DC yes. did this at home, but the like the whole like dimming and flickering of the lights when they score in uh, their new stadium. Oh yeah! It kind of looks like a hockey rink, but I kind of like it. It looks like really sort of dramatic and cool. There was a few wide shots of it, and I was like, "That looks like super fun to be in, but also looks really great on television." <laughs> and there's some lackluster well, goal celebrations in stadiums, and I like this one. Well, Audi Field. Is, is new and, and great and has that ability to do it. The, the thing is, I usually kind of... The, the team that does this that I complain about <laughs> is LA Galaxy. Because mm. the difference between these two and what makes DC's work, I think, is that they're they're flashing other lights. And it, it's like, like a strobing effect, yeah. So it's not like completely dark. Yes. Yeah. Whereas when LA scores at home, it looks like the power goes off. Yeah, that's less... I mean, it's dramatic. It's dramatic, <laughs> but it's not quite the same effect. I, but yeah, I like... Uh, Naughty Field looks great. The, the the good goal-celebrating issue you... Uh, uh, we did talk about it in the Vancouver game was was the, the steam oh, God. gun going on. That was off. Peak Whitecaps as well. I think it's on our Instagram. Um, <laughs> that's so MLS, because I had to get my camera out for that as well, where the steam cannon just oh. is going off for, like, a full minute while play is happening. Um, at the be- I think it's at the beginning of the second half. And it's funny as well, because at that point I turn to my friend and I go, hey, it's just like Montero, all hot air. Um, and then, of course, Montero gets the tying goal, so... We all. Um, the the big game here, uh, the, I think one of the games with the most fireworks and the least stakes was Sporting Kansas City, Colorado. 
Yeah, and what a game this one was. This, for me, was sort of the game of the week. Not maybe in terms of the stakes, as you said, but in terms of the action, uh, good good fun. Good old-fashioned MLS fun. Tommy Smith with an uh, own goal, goal, and an assist. <laughs> yeah. This one was all kind of... had a little bit of everything. Um, I was a big fan of the Kai Kamara bicycle kick that ended up getting... Colorado back into things. I also have to give a quick shout out because I was wearing his Sierra Leone jersey to the Whitecaps game uh, since yeah. I promised if he gave you a birthday shout out on Twitter, which he did, that I would wear it at every remaining Whitecaps home game. And then I forgot nice. the first home game, but I was like, I got to do it for this one and the RSL one. So I, I came through on my word and I'm taking full credit for the bicycle. You came, you came through. It was good. Uh, Gerso gets the first on uh, on second or third minute. He gets his foot in front of a defender's clearance. Yeah, kind um, of a slick from bit him. of a bit of a lucky one, but he's doing the work to be there. Um, so it's a great tidy little goal, and something Sporting Kansas City has not done in a long time is score in the early stages of a game. They get that second on fourteen. Uh, Christian Nemeth is doing all the work as it's headed down in his face for him, but I guess it's, it's ruled as the Smith on goal. And then um, the the game turns. Even Sporting Kansas City have the lead, but the game turns as Matt Beasler gets a second yellow. I'm in the 20th minute. Oh yeah, <laughs> for basically kicking a player in the face. Like he just kicks Sam Nicholson, yeah. and I don't know. I mean, he's got his hands on his hips, and they're sort of giving a half-hearted argument on this one. But this is one where you've got to be like, <laughs> what else can you do there but send him off? Could have been a straight red. Like, yeah, he kicks not. him in the eye. He's and <laughs> I, I mean, I know it's accidental, but he's just got to have better control here. Um, the I don't know if you're getting to it, but this the Kai Kamara bicycle kick that comes off a corner. Uh, I mean, I think yeah. they're lucky that he scores this amazing goal because otherwise, this could have been called a penalty because he's just got arms all over him and he's got he's having his jersey pulled back leading up to the goal, um, and then the defender tries to claim that it shouldn't be allowed a goal because of the kick that's like over the head and close to his face. Oh, yeah, but it's close to his face because he's hanging. He's literally like getting a piggyback off of Kai Kamara leading up to this. So. I, I mean, it's a great finish from Kamara, first of all, just for the athleticism, but also because he's got the defender's arms draped all over him. I think this this could... I don't know if anybody's... This could have been a penalty for me it, had the goal not gone in. So I, I think that um, they're they're lucky that it was a goal. I almost feel that... that and I don't know if it, Kamara, anybody has asked Kamara about this, but I almost feel that um, Kamara was very... Um, very clever to make this happen because it almost looks like he takes that heavy defensive coverage, which you could euphemistic as a euphemism you could say. Yeah. Um, but it's almost like he, it almost like he posts off him. Like I yeah. feel like he is leaning his weight back into the, de like the defender is not letting him go and playing him physically. So it's like, he's using the defender as balance to, to push off. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's, he's using that position uh, absolutely, and I think he has every right to in a, in a case like that. I love I love a good Kai Kamara tweet, and I just love that he he wrote uh, I rode my bike to the Sporting Kansas City reunion. 
Um, just, yeah! Just a nice, that's like really cute, just peak. Throw in shade without Ooh. throwing too much shade, visiting his old club. Um, yeah. Because the next goal also comes from uh, Diego Rubio. Yeah. Another former sporting Kansas City person making the return. Um, supplied to him by Tommy Smith, and then uh, uh, after, who held it up beautifully. And then it's Smith himself who gets the header on 84 for the for the comeback goal away, um, which, you know, uh, you could be very excited for Colorado and then forget, wow, Sporting Kansas City let this one go, huh? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, to have tried to turn things around, we talked last week about the, the lack of uh, strength in their midfield, which I thought this week looked a, a little bit better. This is one, again, where um, they let... Colorado get back into it. It doesn't mean much for Colorado because they're effectively out of the playoffs. I don't think mathematically there's a way they can find themselves in. Um, however, putting pressure on Portland and San Jose a little bit for this. Um, and then in terms of sporting Kansas City, it just seems to continue to be the things are not panning out for them. They also parted ways with Johan Crozet this week, um, who uh, they yeah decided to end their agreement there. He hasn't played since July, but um, just nothing seems to quite be going uh, SKC's way, and it appears that things will continue on. They've got a tough game this week against um, Minnesota, so I think that's their story done and dusted this season. Kind of disappointing. In NWSL, uh, we have a Shield winner. North Carolina Courage have won the uh, regular season championship for the third straight year uh, with a 3-1 win against Utah. Um, this was uh, something that, that was enabled first through uh, a, a penalty after uh, North after uh, Utah's number four, after uh, Becky Sauerbrunn pulls down uh, a player. Um and then the following two goals are uh, great, some great play from Steph Labbe in this game. Uh, and then some sort of un- uncharacteristic um, defending, uh, some uncharacteristic defending from Nicole Barnhart, the goalkeeper for Utah Royals, who comes up for a, a cross and, and is trying to, ca- it comes up for a shot and is trying to catch a shot and it goes through her hands. Um, and then you also have uh then Dominia scores after that, and, and they've been trying to hold off North Carolina, but it's like that second goal unlocked it. Um, they've looked great all year. Portland were riding in first to the table, but now um, North Carolina, with the, with with results like that 6 nothing, um against the Thorns, North Carolina are are comfortably in that position and, and looking to get another double mm-hmm. uh, as they headed to as they headed to playoff contention. Yeah, it's such an interesting league. Sorry, I'm just, I got distracted here because I was just taking a look at some of the results here. Um, and then just looking at Orlando Pride sitting at the bottom of the table. And they've got seemingly such a good squad, but oy, a rough year. 15 losses and four wins. Meow, meow. Um, you kind of are seeing, with the four playoffs, I'm interested in how things work with the four playoff spots because essentially, you know, a lot of teams are, you know, the the seventh place team in the ninth place league is is six points out of that spot. Now, 
Houston's probably not going to, you know, dis, uh, dislodge Utah or, or, or Seattle or Washington. But if you look at the, if you look at that sort of Utah's very lucky, I think that Seattle didn't get a result hit, uh, sky blue or the rain FC because they play in Tacoma now. Um, they, you know, uh, Carly Lloyd, uh, snuck it out and, and got a goal to get sky blue, the away result. And Washington also lost to Chicago Red Stars. So Utah, while playing North Carolina, had a little bit of um, a little bit of kindness in the other results going around them to still be in that fourth spot. As you're looking at those four teams bounce around, North Carolina really seems like a team to, that you might look to see if they can knock them off the perch. And, and the Thorns are still looking good, despite the, the 6 nothing result. They they got the one nothing win at Houston, thanks to a goal from Tobin Heath. Um, but one of the things whenever I watch these highlights, and, and whenever I get to watch some games that I really enjoy, um, is the Chicago Red Stars. The more I watch them, the, the, the more fun they seem. Um, Sam Kerr had uh, two in their 3-1 win over uh, Washington, and... Almost had a hat trick. Mm-hmm. Um, she's really fun to watch, but there are a lot of other there are a lot of other great players that the the U.S. Uh, I believe the uh, the U.S. number one Alyssa Nair had an amazing game in goal. But you also had uh, you know Yuki Nagasato is great and fun to watch. Um, and and this is a team. It's hard to look at a team that's doing like pretty good and be like, ah, this is a team that could, you know, could win a championship because North Carolina Courage is just so good. Just like like, like so um so over the top good, but if Samantha Kerr could find space, um I think that, you know, that could be a really interesting matchup. Or it's going to be Portland, North Carolina again for yeah. <laughs> the second straight year. Too true. Uh, before we move on to, uh, uh, I think we've got some CanPL results. I just wanted to go back for a second because we skipped over Minnesota, Portland. If only, if only oh. for my play of the week here is uh, deep in stoppage time. Sebastian Blanco goes down with a leg cramp and recruits one of the ball boys to come on and help him stretch it out. It was a nil-nil result there, but I just I let the ball boys just kind of like, huh? uh, but oh yeah, what if that was like the nil-nil result in midweek that was like the seventh in this oh, stretch yeah. of games. Well, I'm I'm glad Sebastian Blanco is okay. Um, the 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 Campiel game I got to see was the was Halifax Valor zero 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 draw between Halifax and Valor. Some days, some Halifax some weekends you just can't get no love when you're watching <laughs> soccer. Uh, I caught a little bit of cavalry just upending uh, Pacific. Um, unfortunately, our local my local Campiel team has not fared so well. They've been a little bit better in uh, this season. But uh, Cavalry just continues to barrel over everyone, including Pacific FC. The uh, the, the FIFA Pro um, Player of the Year um, in, in World Eleven teams are out. Um, it is uh, the number one is Megan Rapino with Alex Morgan and uh, uh, the bronze from England. In the third spot, um, Lucy Bronze, I think, 
the uh, in the the World Eleven in terms of NWSL players includes Morton, uh, Mor- or sorry, Morgan and Marta, uh, Kelly O'Hara from Utah, Julie Ertz from Chicago, Rose Lavelle from the Washington Spirit, and Rapino from the Rain. Um, I was always wondering where's Kerr in all this. You see a lot. You see a lot of of interest from the voters in this now in in the European leagues. Now that the European leagues are gaining in in uh, in traction. Now the the question I wanted to ask you that came out of all this is um, the the winner of the coach of the year, the the women's coach of the year, um, was Jill Ellis, the the U.S. women's national team coach who. Um, who will be leaving at the end if, if she has not already left. I think they, they had the, the goodbye to her. Uh, and she said in an interview that she's basically done everything she can in the, 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 um, the women's game and, and mused about the possibility of, of coaching a men's team as John Herdman has done mm-hmm. um, and crossing over. This would be very interesting because I think that the Ellis um, – Winning a, a, another Coach of the Year award shows how successful her approach has been, um, even as she has at times been a super infuriating figure in terms of trying to trying to see the project in process has been a big challenge, I think, for Jill Ellis' teams. But it works, so what can you say? Until next week. Where can we find you online? You can find me online, on Twitter, and on Instagram, filming steam cannons, and myself laughing at That's So MLS. You can find this podcast at thatsomls.com, and wherever fine podcasts are procured, please rate, review, and subscribe. Um, don't forget as yeah. well, we do do off-season shows. We'll, of course, be here for the playoffs, but we still do a bi-weekly show during the off-season. Uh, where can we find you online? You can find me online at Twitter, Team Bates on Twitter, uh, www.team-bates.com. I am an editor at Howler Magazine, whatahowler.com. Um, and uh, as you said, here on this podcast, uh, as, we, as we're as we gearing up for the playoffs, it's such an exciting time of year. I'm just looking ahead to all of the – we're going to see the, the, the NWSL playoffs. We're going to see a, a, a quicker, more explosive MLS playoffs. We've got the KPL playoffs in there. It's uh, October is heating up. Yeah, it's going to be a busy autumn for sure. I'm I'm kind of with you there. Like I'm ready. I feel like this is a a playoffs MLS playoffs that I'm I've been I'm more excited about than I've been in previous years. I think there's a lot more uh, parity between the teams. Obviously, LAFC has been the breakout story, but we've seen that uh, even giants can fall. So I'm, I'm genuinely excited for this one. I think it's going to be interesting right down to the end. And until then, don't get three people sent off. Don't get sent off on the bench. Don't do how about that. <laughs> how about this? If you're already off, don't get <laughs> sent more off. <laughs> <laughs>